Welcome to the WealthStream Podcast. The team at Hightower Great Lakes share their insights and passions for empowering their clients to live their best life. In this energetic podcast, we will take you on a journey to help you navigate your financial future, overcome life's challenges to reach your financial goals, and find the financial clarity you've been searching for. Let's explore the downstream impact of your wealth and what it means to you, your family, and your community to live greater. Hello and welcome to the Wealth Stream with Tim Scannell from Hightower Great Lakes. Good morning, Tim. Hey, how you doing, Eric? It's a good day here in Valparaiso. How are you doing? I am not in Valparaiso, but I wish I was. Well, no, I <laughs> wow, know it's always a great Nebraska. day in Valparaiso, right? Yeah, exactly. Not everyone can be here. <laughs> that's right, because it'd get crowded, and that's not social <laughs> it's distancing. It's a small town, that's right. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> All right, so what are we talking about today, Tim? Well, our wealth management formula covers investment planning, advanced planning, relationship management. As it relates to advanced planning, one of the things um, we focus on is what we call wealth enhancement. Wealth enhancement could be looking at your cash flow, looking at tax planning. And today I wanted to cover a wealth enhancement strategy that we focus on, which is making sure that as a business owner, you have the right management team in place uh, to make sure your exit plan, your succession plan works and gets you the maximum value. So that's how we enhance business owners' wealth is with one of these strategies. So that's what we want to talk about today. All right. So the management team itself. Yes. So when I work with clients and specifically business owners, and we're talking about long-term succession planning, you know, their ability to make what we call work optional so that they have the ability to not be a slave to the business and eventually exit, mm-hmm. we're trying to get them the maximum after-tax value, right? So that they can use those dollars to retire, use those dollars to provide for their family, but also make sure that their key employees, which are typically very, very important to them, are protected. And, you know, we've had a couple different podcasts where in the past I've talked about value drivers, and it's it's a theme. I, I like to focus business owners on the key variables that drive the maximum value for the business. Mm-hmm. And I think if you go back to podcasts, I think it was 35 and 36, there was so much content, we made it two, two episodes, right? So mm-hmm. there's a lot there. And you know, so for listeners, you may wanna go back and listen to part of that just to get a feel for it. But what we're talking about when we look talk about variable uh, value drivers are things like, sure, you have a diverse customer base. You know, I, I don't wanna, when I look at a client's customer base, it can't be over-concentrated. You can't have a 30% of your revenue, for example, with one client. Or mm-hmm. things like a growth strategy. You need to be in a growing market, a growing industry. But the other key variable is what we call like a stable and motivated management management team. Because if, you're, if you don't have that management team in place, if, if a buyer comes in and says, what are we buying other than just assets, uh, you want to make sure that they know that there's a team that can can take the business to the next level or continue it at least in, in growing if you, the owner, are gone. So you can't just make it about the owner. You have to have this key management team. So we wanted to talk about today is why that's such a key part of business succession and really talk about you know what's involved. All right. Yeah. I mean, obviously, I know that one of the things that you and I have talked about before or chatted about it before, I don't even know if it's on a podcast, but 
is people naming businesses after themselves mm -hmm. uh, because that kind of puts them in the position of, you know, like Bob's Pies, right? <laughs> if, right if Bob exactly. decides to leave, or Bob's Pie is going to be as strong in the marketplace. Bob's not there cooking anymore, you know, or, or whatever. If, if it's the entire business revolves around just the owner, that's a huge problem. Uh, now we're taking the name out of the equation here, but it's the same kind of principle. If the the main salesperson, the main main thinker, the 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 innovator is the owner and they're leaving, is the management team equipped to take that spot? And that's, I mean, I I don't know if that's possible in any business. What have you experienced? Yeah, I mean, I guess I can name a few like Henry Ford, but beyond him, you know, early people <laughs> like that. Yeah. Yes, it's all about team. It's all about scale processes when you're looking to exit. And what I find, and I've talked a little bit about it in other podcasts, and I think you read about it in books like E-Myth, business owners, entrepreneurs, they spend a lot of their time and energy on their clients, building their, you know, their employees, making sure they're delivering on time, under budget. They very rarely step back and just take a, a snapshot view of, the business and just say, well, how am I going to get out of this thing at some point, right? How am I, how am I going to take a little more time off? And um, a, key, a key management team and processes in place to, to retain and keep and then give them incentives to stay beyond the succession are, are key variables to it. So yeah. Hmm. So what I thought I'd do is kind of go through a couple of definitions first. Uh, when I talk with clients, one of the questions that uh, is confusing sometimes, I should say, is what is succession planning versus exit planning? Because uh, they're not the same thing. Mm. So exit planning is where we're going to take a look and sit down with the business owner and take a very comprehensive look, analysis of all the factors that might impact the, the business owner's ability to, to leave. So, for example, I worked recently with a dentist. And you know the very first step is we're spending you know, several months actually, and what do you actually need? You know, we have a series of discovery meetings. What is your after-tax cash flow need? What do you need for supporting your family, supporting your your immediate, your children, et cetera? What obligations do you have? Um, and then once we know what they need, we talk about, okay, so what's there? What do you have now? What do you, Where are your assets? What is the business worth? Things like that. And then we look at tax structures and legal entities and you know, is it efficient and are you protected in, in the case of lawsuits and things like that? Uh, we look at things like the industry. So the dental industry is different from uh, the, the, the rest of the healthcare world, which was dramatically impacted by the Affordable Health Care Act, you know, back in 2008. Mm -hmm. Whereas the, the dental industry really was not, but now it is. There's a whole private equity market now where, you know, they're looking, they're acquiring dental practices and now they're hmm. becoming a big business. And there's a lot of, they call them roll-ups. So we need to look at that, you know, and, and then also like the local market. So our Valparaiso market is going to be different from the Chicago market. So the point is when we look at exit planning, we're looking at uh, all kinds of variables that oftentimes take a couple years <laughs> to really to go through. And then, but one of the key variables that we focus on as part of the exit planning process is succession planning. So do you have a successor? You know, I remember I was a CPA working in public accounting out of college, um, 1986. I know I, you don't, probably don't believe I'm that old, but uh, no, the no CFP idea. program or the Certified Financial Planning Program was just starting. I joined the industry. I became a CFP. And I remember for the first 
gosh, probably 10, I probably want to say 10, but it's really more like 20 years, clients would say, yeah, I, I love working with you. The analysis, the planning we're getting is great, but you know, what happens if Tim gets hit by a bus, you know, the proverbial bus? Mm -hmm. And um, I always think, you know, why do they pick on bus and bus drivers? But that's like that. <laughs> they, that's that was always the question. You know? That's the one bad driver on the road, right there. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, really, what is it about bus drivers that they get the kind of grief? But yeah, so it's it, so I got the question. Everyone gets the question. Like we talked earlier, you don't want to make it all about you. So succession planning, as part of the exit planning process. What's that, what that is really focusing on is the transfer of leadership, the transfer of management. It could be from one generation to the next. It could be within the business. It could be looking to bringing people in. But as a bottom line, it facilitates the owner's ability to leave. So in the example above where with the dentist, you know, we looked at what do you have and what do you need, and we put together the plans, et cetera. But he, he didn't have a key person. He didn't have somebody who could step in. And based on his time frame, and I mention this because it takes a long time to recruit and retain an incent key person in any industry, but specifically in the dental for a dental practice, didn't really have the time frame to do that. So he had kind of waited too long. So we started looking outside, you know, at a potential buyers. But mm -hmm. but the point is that you can know what you need, you can know what you have, you can put together a great plan, but I see often that a business owner will be a prisoner to the business because they really haven't focused on or thought about succession planning. Yeah, let me ask you a question, Tim. When it comes to the difference between exit planning versus succession planning, or I, I maybe, maybe I'm thinking about this the wrong way, but somebody buying from the outside compared to somebody buying from the inside, do you find that it's a different pay structure? So in other words, if somebody on the outside's purchasing a business, would it be just a kind of a purchase and then it's done if the owner is able to exit where a succession plan may be a purchase over a number of years for a succession plan? So in the case of the dentist, or I've also done this with a couple of manufacturing companies, what happens is if you don't have a key management team, it limits your options. So mm. for example, if I am if I don't have a management team inside that has the ability or desire to buy, then I have to look outside. If I'm looking outside, I can look for like a strategic buyer, like a competitor. So mm -hmm. a competitor might come in and acquire my company, in which case they're not looking for a management team, but they're probably going to eliminate a lot of people that I have, I care about. Mm -hmm. So that oftentimes is not a good solution. If I look to a family office or an investor to buy the, my company, whatever it is, they definitely are going to want to have a management team in place because they're typically not operators. They don't want to come in and operate your dental practice or your manufacturer. Mm -hmm. So the point is it it limits your options, which also limits your price. You want a competitive bidding process to get the maximum f for your business. And if you don't have a good management team, it just limits your ability, limits that marketplace for you. Yeah. All right. That makes sense. So the other thing I'll just say about succession planning, and I've been guilty of this myself. Succession planning, you know, you're identifying the successor, whether it's, if it's in the business. And if you don't have that person, you have to go out and find them, which is very hard. But once you find them, or even if you have them, you really have to spend a lot of time and energy on providing them 
with the opportunity to develop their skills and experience to replace me or replace the business owner itself, right? And I think this is something that I was guilty of. You can ask anyone on my team, but I started in 2011. So nine years ago, thinking about when I was just a young 49 years old, right? But <laughs> I knew that it, it takes a long time and I, I am, I, ha, I was guilty and I, and I hope I'm better and I'm trying to get better all the time. And I try to stress this with my clients that you have to then create processes in order to train, to get the skill sets to these people that you're recruiting and retaining to be that key management team. For example, I read a book years ago by the founder of LinkedIn and he had this concept called tours of duty. So I really have tried to implement my variation of that in my firm, for example, where when I hire somebody, we talk about 18 month tours of duty where for the next 18 months, these are the things that I would like you to do. And in return, I'm committed to getting you the skill sets, improving your brand, your education, your knowledge, your experience, whatever it is that your primary goals and part of that is us collaborating together to determine what are some of those key drivers or experiences hmm. or education or training they need to become the next generation of management or leadership or takeover or buying. But we put together these short-term plans because 18 months is actually long-term these days, but I call them short-term. And that's just an example of a process we have in place to hopefully help us focus on those key drivers so I can not just recruit and retain people I think can succeed, but also give them the skill sets, the experience that they think and they think they'll need to re basically be the future leader. Hmm. Oh, that's an interesting concept. I've never heard of that before. Part of it, I think, is it, it's also related to just this next generation. Uh, now I talk like parents did, but <laughs> I have a very young team working with me. And mm -hmm. I, I find that um, as I'm working with clients, they're also doing the same. They're bringing in next generation leadership and they grew up more technology focused. They grew up with different skill sets and different goals perhaps than, than maybe I did when I was first starting my career. So that's part of it. My understanding and the reason why I was told it works and so far it's been somewhat successful is that th this next generation really likes the shorter term goal goal focus versus like staying somewhere for a whole career. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. So I think that covers, I think I was just wanted to roll out or introduce exit planning and how it's different from succession planning and succession planning is really part of the whole exit planning process. But um, I thought I'd also kind of just talk about why when I talk about this with clients, some, sometimes initially there's a glaze in the eyes and they're like, well, why, you know, why do I need to focus on that? I'm trying to trying to construct this building so I get it under budget on time and my client's happy. I'm trying to, you know, keep my employees happy. And I kind of go through this checklist of things <laughs> that I talk about why. So first of all, it ensures a proper transfer of ownership. It ensures that you can eventually exit the business. And, and the example is when I was first in the business in the early 80s, one of my first clients actually I think I'd mentioned this before as my father-in-law, and um, he had an amazing electrical contractor business. Uh, at one point, there was you know 100, 125 uh, electricians in Chicago working and doing uh, construction projects. Mm -hmm. And I had talked to him, and and unfortunately, he he passed suddenly. And he we had I only really knew him 
uh, for three or four years, and we had a, a fair number of conversations about business succession planning. I wasn't as knowledgeable or experienced, but what I learned from that experience was you need to focus. He had been to seminars. He had talked to his peers. There was no internet back then, so he probably didn't have as many resources. But the reality is he passed, and he didn't have everything ready in place. Hmm. And, and I don't know how I could have helped him any going back like that, but the point is that was my first example and, and enabled me or helped me focus on the fact that people really need to think about this just as much as they think about the day-to-day -day business. Yeah. Um, the other reason why I tell people or recommend clients that they talk about succession planning is, I mean, who needs a vacation, right? <laughs> so I have yeah. a lot of clients who, business owners, they don't feel like they can go away on vacation or if they do, they're on the phone or they're, you know, they're, mm -hmm. they're not really spending time by the pool or wherever they want to go. And it improves stability of their life, improves sustainability of the company, and it gives you flexibility to take time off. I can tell you that in the first 10, 15 years, or my wife can certainly attest, Nancy would attest that I probably wasn't offline as much as I should have been because I hadn't really built the succession team that I have now. So mm -hmm. I've learned that from my own experience, and I see that with clients. Yeah, nobody wants to walk away from their business, you know, to take a long weekend even or a vacation if they feel like they're going to have to put out fires when they get back. And and I think exactly. that a lot of business owners feel that way, and, and unfortunately a lot of business owners are probably in that exact situation. You just, if you're looking around going, can I trust these people that I have around me to maintain this business for one week while I'm gone. If the answer is no, I think it's time to, to take a deeper look at and either make some changes or do some extra training, something to, to be able to free up your time. Yeah, I agree. And then the other part too is, I guess was one of my major focuses when I talk about value drivers is it increases value. It increases the value of your company. Mm -hmm. From an accounting standpoint, we we look at assets, you know, minus debts or liabilities, and that comes out the book value. And oftentimes when I talk to a business owner, they'll say, well, sure, I know what book value is. I know what the business is worth. But separate from just hard book value numbers is goodwill. And the concept of goodwill is that I can sell my business for something more than just assets and liabilities, just liquidation value. And goodwill is what the value drivers focus on creating, you know, increased value. Um, and again, having a, if I'm looking to buy your company and if I'm coming in to evaluate your company, you know, we had a podcast, I think it was number 49 with uh, Greg Clark and he talked about business valuations. They're going to want to make sure that the business sustains and there's a team in place so that, you know, they're not just buying you and there's processes, et cetera. So it definitely, I, I've seen two, three, four times the value when you have a good management team in place versus not. There's nothing is guaranteed in life. Mm -hmm. And my compliance people will certainly tell me not to guarantee anything, which I don't. But I've just seen that I believe it increases the value, and that's what I've seen too. Well, I mean, here's the thing, is think of it mechanically, right? If you're selling a business that's all based on machines, if the machines are running perfectly, then you're going to get more money for it. If the machines are not well-oiled and they're not running perfectly and, and half of them are offline – you're not going to get the same value, right? It's the same with people. If you have a good team that's a well-oiled machine that's that's firing on all cylinders and they can they can do the job, whether you're there or not, that's huge value to whoever's purchasing it. But 
if the half the team doesn't work effectively, I mean, nobody's going to, you know, want to pay top dollar for that. Exactly. And, you know, when I talk to clients, they tell me that uh, they generally hate losing more than the <laughs> thrill of victory, than they like winning. So mm -hmm. the other thing I, I try to focus on with clients is, you know, well, what's the risk of not doing it? What's the risk of doing nothing, you know, not focusing on succession planning? And I have lots of examples. I call one of the risks I call vacancy risk, and that is client who's chief operating officer for a manufacturing company. So he was the driver behind expansion and the new equipment and the machines. He got a better offer and he left. And that literally put them back a year. That jeopardized their banking relationship. It, wow. it was a real struggle because they had not really locked in that key person. Um, same with you know readiness risk is a second one. And that I see more often with family businesses where you have this challenge between the patriarch, the founder, and maybe the next generation where they don't necessarily communicate as well as they should, and they're not ready, you know, or they're not truly evaluating objectively what the skill sets are of the next generation. Maybe they're just not in the right chair. They're, they have all the skills, but they're, they should be in operations or sales or marketing or accounting, and they're just not in the right spot. Lack of readiness is a big risk when you don't do succession planning. And then the other part is like what I call loss of intellectual capital. I work with a number of professors at Valparaiso University, and like all universities, um, they're going through financial struggles due to COVID, and you're just seeing all this institutional knowledge walk out the door. Mm. All the all these people who kind of knew how the whole th how the whole place worked, they they when they leave, you lose. I call it intellectual capital. You could call it institutional knowledge, but it's it's history. It's it's people who know how things are done because oftentimes they're not as well documented. So if you're not doing succession planning and somebody leaves, oftentimes nobody knows how to turn the lights on, literally sometimes, right? Yeah. And the one that I'm seeing the most now is with COVID, there is a war for talent. You know, in our little Valparaiso, Indiana, we're now, you know, we it was very hard forever to recruit and retain because people wanted to move 50 miles into Chicago or somewhere else. And people are reevaluating where they're living and we're now competing for some of that talent that we couldn't get before. Mm -hmm. It's definitely a talent market or a seller's market. And so if you're not locking in your key people, you're, you're really putting your business at risk. And this next generation, as we talked about, they tell me, so I'm not just making this up and I read the same thing as the, it's a, they're very, they're impatient sometimes and they, they want to see process. They want to see a a succession plan. They want to see a career path. And if you're not providing some of that, you're, you're going to lose and that's going to cost you dearly. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's bottom line is that the, the, I hate to use this analogy, but the cream has risen to the top in this scenario, yeah. right? When, when COVID hit and people started working from home, businesses very quickly understood those that are working hard and diligently and using time effectively. And those that aren't, you know, the, the ones that weren't doing a great job at work, definitely we're not doing a great job at home. And so the value of those different employees really, really has shown businesses what they need to do and who they need to focus on and who they need to bring in to replace certain people. So yeah, I agree a hundred percent. It is a seller's market. You said, I think uh, it's, you know, the yeah. talent is there and the talent is beginning to understand that they're in demand. So uh, for sure. Yeah. And it's, it, it, Definitely in the last, a lot has changed, obviously, as a result of COVID. 
I'm seeing definitely that that is one of the things that's changed in our marketplace anyway. Yeah, absolutely. So I'd wanted to talk generally about why the right management team is important in this podcast. And what I, because there's so much information, what I thought I'd do is maybe break it up into two parts and maybe, and maybe Eric, we could cover in part two, you know, some of the processes and tools that, that we provide with clients that I've seen work and maybe do that in the second part. That'd be perfect. Fantastic. All right. So anything to close with today for today's podcast before we get into part two? No, again, just the key thing is that you need to do succession planning. It's a critical part of the whole exit planning process. It's a critical part of the value drivers that we focus on to get the maximum value from the business. And the risks of doing nothing are expensive. Mm -hmm. So get going and give us a call. Yeah, absolutely. I was just going to say that. If you're listening to this podcast right now and you are inspired to make a decision and say, hey, look, I need to know now, and I don't want to wait two weeks for the next podcast to come out, call Tim. Tim, how do they get a hold of you? They can call my direct line at 219-246-5370 or send me an email at tscannell at hightoweradvisors.com. Perfect. All right. Thank you, Tim, for your time. Appreciate it. Oh, thank you, Eric. Appreciate it. You bet. And the last thank you goes to you, the listening audience. Thank you for tuning in and listening to the WealthStream Podcast with Tim Scannell. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Tim comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it much easier to share this podcast with your friends and family. Again, thank you so much for listening today. For everyone at Hightower Great Lakes, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the WealthStream podcast. We hope you gained some valuable insight that you can apply to your life and share with others. Please don't forget to subscribe below to be notified when new episodes become available. And don't forget to live greater. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Hightower Great Lakes. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Hightower Great Lakes is a group of investment professionals registered with Hightower Securities LLC, member FINRA and SIPC, and with Hightower Advisors LLC, a registered investment advisor with the SEC. Securities are offered through Hightower Securities LLC. Advisory services are offered through Hightower Advisors LLC. 